kids will see it and it's weird and creepy and scary and they'll stop watching and they won't tell us because kid life, right? That was weird. So you, sweet, sweet parent, need to get ahead of it. You're listening to the Mindful Parenting Podcast, episode number 416. Today, we're talking about how to keep kids safe from porn with Amy Lang. Welcome to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Parenting, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you get calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 25 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids, and now raising good humans every day. 50 simple ways to press pause, stay present, and connect with your kids. Hey, you're hearing correctly. We've changed the name to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. I am super excited about this as it more accurately reflects what this is. I hope you are too. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama Podcast. Glad you are here. If you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you get some value from this podcast, if you like the podcast, if you really, really like it, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more and it takes like 30 seconds. You can do it actually right from where you're listening. And I hugely, hugely appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with sexuality educator Amy Lang, who has helped thousands of parents around the world become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. Amy is a Mom's Choice Award winner for her book and video and host of the Just Say This, an advice-style podcast that offers parental guidance for birds and bees talks. So listen, dear listener, I promise this is not a scary episode. We actually had a lot of fun in this episode. I was feeling a little less squeamish about them the last time we talked about sexuality on this episode. So, so yes, we're going to be talking about porn, but it's not super scary. You can dive in. And honestly, it's really important to not shut your eyes and pretend it's not there, right? Because most kids are actually going to see porn at some time, and it can actually have scary and long-lasting negative effects on kids. So what do we do, right? Amy really comes to the rescue and lays out the steps that responsible parents must take if we want to protect our kids from online porn. So this is not like a super dance party of an episode, but it's so, so important. It's a really must listen and um, you're going to get some amazing tools in your toolbox. So join me at the table as I talk to Amy Lang. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to Mindful Parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that 
patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Amy Lang, thank you for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm always happy to be here. I love working with you and your people. These are some of the most important conversations we have, and I go into them with no small degree of trepidation, my friend. You realize, you know, <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. But we people, we need to talk to our kids about sex and sexuality. It's important. And Amy, just to update you, um, we talked last time about talking to your teens and tweens about sex. And um, it has been really helpful for people. They're going through the book. They're talking about everything. And their tweens are asking them questions. So it's getting out there and and supporting people. So, yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. I, sometimes I feel like I'm shouting down a well. Yeah. And then I talk yeah. to you and I'm like, oh, I'm not shouting down a well. I'm not shouting down a well. You're not shouting down a well. Okay. So this is our episode for us to talk about talking to kids and what what the heck do we do as parents about all the porn that's in the world. And you've heard me tell this story before, but if the listeners knew, I've had my own experience with this with my kids where I've been teaching mindful parenting for a while. My daughter's 13 now. And when she was nine, she overheard me through like an open window, like I'm in a separate space, talk about like spanking. And so she went inside on this summer day and Googled spanking. And whoa, what did she find? And my husband, who also works from home and always has looked over and saw her like with the screen open with some I guess it was spanking porn coming on. And he was like, whoa. And I think he was in a meeting with people like in another country. And he was like, hold on, (laughs) I need to go. So we kind of like got thrown into this head first. And that is the reason we are having this conversation is so that you, dear listener, don't make my mistake and this doesn't happen to you. Okay, so why is it important for kids to talk to their kids about porn? 
Well, because they're going to see it and it's going to happen exactly like what you innocently did. You talked about spanking. Your kid's like, spanking, that doesn't happen in our family. What is that? And then Googled. And so it's <laughs> who could predict that? No one. No one could predict that. So it's so important because they're going to see it. And your daughter was right on target. Nine is the average age kids see it. That's what we know that's recorded, right? That's what's reported. I think it's seven because kids will see it and it's weird and creepy and scary and they'll stop watching and they won't tell us because kid life, right? That was weird. And yeah, they're done. Most parents aren't using monitoring and parental and uh, filtering and parental controls. So they don't have a record that that's happened. So they just don't know. But nine, you know, nine is when they're skillful enough to Google things. They are curious about sex and sexuality for sure. And so where do we go to learn about anything? Where do we go? The internet. Yeah. Right. We, we teach them that. So you, sweet, sweet parent, need to get ahead of it. Need to get ahead of it. Because if you're saying to your kids, hey, there's scary stuff out there online, if they know about sex, then you can say there are videos of people having sex. It's called pornography. Uh, if you see it, it's not okay or safe for kids. You need to tell me. You won't be in trouble. We'll make sure you're okay and make sure it doesn't happen again because it can mess with them. It can mess with them. I mean, if you think about like when you were a kid and where you saw porn, right? It was maybe mm -hmm. online. I know some of you are young enough for that. Maybe it was HBO. What was it? I can't remember anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Spice Channel. Somebody said that last night. Um, it was like behind the cigarettes in the, the corner stores. Yeah. <laughs> it was magazines. Uh, so that's where most of us saw anything that was pornographic. And seeing a still picture, like I have in my head, Audrey, my friend Audrey's dad had penthouses underneath his mattress. Like I was a super snooper, which I don't recommend. I ruined several Christmas presents for myself. Uh, but we found these and there was a... Um, whole scenario called the spider and the fly. And I could still see it in my head. I was probably 10. It was not, relatively speaking, is nothing compared. It was absolutely milk toast compared to what kids see now. But I have it in my head. It was it was from a, a penthouse, right? So that's not what they're seeing. Like I would pay, I'd pay a bazillion dollars for that to be how kids are exposed to pornography. Mm. I would much better. It's much better. Even though I have this indelible thing in my brain and it's not traumatic per se but it was titillating and it was stimulating and it stuck with me and so that was just this one thing right and if you're showing a video if they see a video that is stimulating and titillating it's not going to be the same those that spider and fly were going to be actually doing stuff right as opposed to these still photographs so it's not good it's crazy, too, though, because it's weird, right? Like, there's more access to porn than there ever has been ever in the history of humanity. And, like, the, I don't know if you've seen that research where it's, like, younger kids are, like, or teenagers or whatever, like, they're not having sex as much as kids had when I was a teenager. Like, they're, you know, it's almost like they're four years developmentally behind yeah. the way, um, you know, people maybe of our generation were. So it's like, you know, I guess there's no way to kind of parse it out. But like, how I mean, let's let's kind of just dive into this a little bit. Like, let's say our seven year old or nine year old starts sees porn. How can it affect them? 
Well, it gives them the wrong idea about sexuality. So it is, it's a movie. It's fake. Like people's bodies don't look like that. They don't do those things typically. They don't make those sounds normally. And then we'll just set the racism and the misogyny and the sexism aside for just a hot minute. Um, so, so they're getting more than just the sex. So they see that and they think, oh, that's what sex looks like. And mostly they're grossed out and creeped out by it because it's very scary to see naked people doing stuff with their private parts and putting parts in holes and all that. It can be really confusing. So they see that. And most kids, like I said, will look at it and be like, all right, I don't want to ever see that again. Some kids, rabbit hole, rabbit hole. So I am going to tell some stories and um, because you need to understand, like, these are parents that are just like you, just exactly like you. Oh, maybe you know what I mean. Um, so there was a kiddo who was nine and he, it was during the pandemic and he, um, he was, you know, it was online school. They moved and he logged in for school on the Google account or he's on the Google account and he's doing school. Well, they found out that he was not logged in on his account. He was logged in on his mom's account. And so he had, we don't know the trajectory of how this happened, but he started watching porn. So he'd do school and toggle back and forth between porn and school. And this happened for like three months before they figured it out. Oh, and I don't know. It was awful. And and this family was very conservative. And I know they didn't do what I told them to do, which was I don't care if his behavior is fine. He needs therapy. And they they, I know they didn't do I know they didn't do it Um, because I could just tell I could tell about the shame and all that. Um, So that's not typical, but it's titillating. It's it's like this. It's like it's gross, but it's like picking a scab, right? Mm. They see he doesn't want to. He can't stop compulsively looking at it because it's fascinating. And if he was in puberty happening, there's some stimulation. And even without puberty, just kind of the way we're wired, there's some sexual stimulation there. And so it mm. kind of felt good, but it felt gross. And um, and they had no idea. They had mm. no idea. And I think this dad was an engineer because he went back. I think he made a spreadsheet of every every time he'd done it. Like, and it was it was. I think it ended up, it wasn't hours a day, but it was close because back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? Um, but that's not necessarily typical. That's not typical. So some kids look more than once. Mm-hmm. If they're in puberty, they're going to look more than more than once, but not every kid. And I don't want you to think that this is how this is going to happen for your kid. Hmm. Okay. So I'm saying that, and I don't want you to think that your kid is, that's going to happen to your kid. I also don't want you to sit here and think, oh, my child would never, my child would never. That family's not the same thing. And so the safest thing is to behave as though, which is absolutely true. No kiddo makes it out of, out of childhood without seeing it. Um, to assume they're going to see it. They're going to see it. I promise. Mm. They will see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember... I didn't have exposure to porn, but I remember having exposure to Fritz the Cat uh, comics. So my dad had Fritz the Cat comics at his like uh, shop. And I remember like finding these Fritz the Cat's comics because I was into comics and then being like, whoa, what are these comic book characters doing? And then being titillated by it to use your, your term, Amy. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think this is safe, though. We have to like assume. Assume, assume that they're they're going to see it, and and that's that that has to be the stance because we're we're in denial, we're wrongheaded, we're 
And let's tell, let's kind of like go, go down that road. Like what happens if we're like, what happens if we just ignore the whole issue? Then they're just, then they're just learning from porn. They're learning that this is the way sex is and it's this performative fake kind of thing and, and et cetera. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So what happens is, and we know this from surveys and studies and stuff like that, that uh, teenagers, like they use it as sex ed. So they think that's what sex is. Like it starts in the middle. So imagine if your first sexual experience with someone was based on porn and the kind of porn you'd been seeing um, was, you know, just parts and holes immediately, like no tenderness, no consent conversation, no like handholding leading up to making out, leading up to under the shirt, you know, all the bases, right? No bases, mm. just wait straight to a home run. So they think that's normal. So they're, um, and not, again, not all of them, but it's in their heads that this is part of how you're a sexual person. And so it normalizes a whole bunch of stuff that just sort of typically speaking isn't like normal, especially for early adolescent sex and sexuality, right? Like if you're fully established as a sexual being and everybody's consenting, you go. Uh, Dan Savage says, uh, no, uh, what does he say? No, children, animals, or dead people, which is terrible. 
shit. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Like consenting adults, you do you. I don't care how many of you are there doing your thing, right? So it's, it's yeah, it's like jumping into a swimming pool without knowing how to swim. It's like your car analogy. It's like, here are the keys, good luck. So if we're not sex educating our kids, they're not getting our healthy values, they're not getting factual information, uh, we're not in there helping them and supporting them. So if you let them loose with the porn and you pretend like it's not going to happen or it's not going to impact them, right? It's not going to impact them. It's going to impact them in some way. And so it just gives them this, this whole wrong idea, full on wrong idea and about lots of things in life. Okay. Okay. So earlier you said when you're talking about you know, how to respond to a, a kid about porn, briefly, you said it's like it's not okay or safe for you to see it. Now, uh, that seems right, but also it seems wrong in some ways to me. Like, and I'm just going to explain to you why, because like, A, it's right. Like, I don't want my nine-year-old, seven-year-old and 11-year-old, whatever, to be absorbing these, the ideas from porn that are out there. But also, like, I don't want them, on the other hand, like, I don't want her to get the idea that sex is not okay and sex is not safe and sexuality itself is not safe for her and is not a safe, wonderful part of life. Like, I want her to have, uh, you know, a steady, you know, wholehearted relationship with her sexuality, whole-bodied relationship with her sexuality. So talk us through this a little bit. Help, help me understand this. What are, what's the best response? Yeah. So I, I love that question because porn is a thing. Porn is an object. Porn is a thing. Porn is a product. So, um... Yeah, so it's a thing. It's a product. It's not real. Our sexuality, sex, being sexual with someone, relationships, that is a real thing. It's a process, right? It's a, I, I don't even quite have the word. You probably have a really good word for that. It's like part of us. It's part of who we are. It's part of our culture. It's part of our psychology or physiology. So it's actually um, real. It's real. And so the way you address the realness of being a sexual person and their sexuality, and I love what you just said about being a whole person and wholeheartedly ready for this, um, that is what's important. And so if you're saying that porn is not okay or safe for kids, that's like saying, hey, sorry, sister, you can't have a margarita, right? <laughs> right? Like yeah. My friend Joe says it's like porn is grown-up stuff, like, you know, like marijuana and alcohol and coffee, right? So it's in that category of an unhealthy product for me, for just about everyone, for other folks or lots of folks who have or are okay with anyway, whatever, not going to go down the grown up path. Like I like that analogy of like coffee or alcohol. Like it's something that we know is not it's not exactly healthy for us, but pe it's it's enjoyable for people and they use it in moderation kind of thing. Right. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. That kind of okay. thing. But the porn industry is a nightmare. Right. It's awful. Yeah, that's the perfect analogy for a child. So when you get with your 11-year-old, you can say, hey, you know, just just more to this porn thing, right? So you can um, look at Fight the New Drug and other websites that talk about the impact of pornography um, in other, like in a broader, bigger sense. Um, and we'll make sure in the show notes there's some resources for people to go and learn more about that. But yeah, that categorizing it as grown-up stuff, moderation. There is ethically produced porn, uh, feminist porn. That is more storyline and consent based instead of, hey, plumber, blah, 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 blah. Here's my boobs and my business. Um, so, but you have to pay for it. And that's not, they're not going to go, oh, I need ethically produced porn, right? 
they're not going to do that. They're going to Google spanking. They're going to Google boobs. And they're going to get a whole lot of spanking and boobs simultaneously. So that frame of this is not for kids. It's for adults. It's not safe um, is, is helpful to them. And But I think the biggest thing with all of this, and this happens frequently, is that you discover, like a parent will discover that their kid has seen some porn or they catch them in the moment and they freak out. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you looking at? How did you find that? This isn't okay. How the hell? What the F? Like, maybe not what the F, but that's just me. Um, you know, like, what is this? And they shame and yell at the child. The child's in trouble for their natural curiosity. And they're, um, they put the blame on the kid. And that's because we're embarrassed, we're worried, right? You know, that whole knee-jerk, it's just a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, yeah. And it's scary, right, to see what they've seen, right? Um, But the the thing is, um, if your child has access pornography on a device that you have given them, and you've A, not talked about sex or pornography with them, and you B, are not using monitoring and filtering, then it's your fault. Yeah. We can't punish our kids for their natural curiosity. No, no, I agree. I agree with yeah. that. No, I th- I think yeah. so too. I mean, and that goes through the question. Like, I mean, let's kind of like walk back and like like check in with. I want to check in with you. Like, what is the ideal scenario for a kid? Like, kind of from birth to teen yeah. years, the way that okay. we're dealing with this. What are what are our responsibilities as parents? What does what is a parent who wants to be responsible and take us be a step ahead of this do? What do we do? All right. So the first thing is, as we all know, get that sex talk party started ASAP. So they should know that when people have sex, it's something they do for pleasure. 99.99% of the time, right? People can get pregnant. We really are actively trying not to get pregnant when we're doing that. So it's for pleasure. It's for when you're older. It's for later in life. I don't say for adults because that's not true, right? That's not true. It's, It's for later in life. People like to have sex. It's an important part of being a person. You know, just you don't ever have to have sex. So I'm really establishing these sort of values and philosophy around it. So that's the first thing. So they need to know people have sex for pleasure. So baby making, like that's where we like to start. So the penis goes in the vagina. People agree to do this. It feels really good to their grown up bodies. And and then you can say, you know, most of the time when people have penis and vagina sex or they make love, they're trying not to make babies like their bodies. They feel good together. They want to do this together. Um, it's something they agree to do. So it's called making love or having sex. So that just is a little bit is enough, right? So we just get that out our mouths. So that's like, I have a five-year-old and they say, how are babies made? And we, we can answer that. Yeah. Because we want them to know, like we did not know, like we knew that sex was for procreation and then people were doing it because it felt good. But were we supposed to do that? And we weren't, and there's all the shame and embarrassment. So if they know early on, like being a sexual person is healthy, normal, natural. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to plant a little seed. And so that's just sort of the tone of your of your conversations with them. Sometimes I, at least me, like I won't speak for everyone, but I'll speak for me. Like I get caught up on like, yeah, it's healthy, normal, natural thing for us to like as humans to do. But you're saying like, no, like it's like a healthy, normal, natural for things to do. For people who have grown up bodies, like to make this distinction between you, child, and people who have grown up bodies. And I think that's uh, just such a, I like, I need that. I need those like strong, clear distinctions in my head going into that to, to be able to say, like, I'm having a conversation with somebody who does not have a grown up body who's asking about this thing. And I'm telling them about what happens with grown up bodies. And that framing for me, that I mean, like, 
that the way you explain that that makes all the difference in the world yeah thank you happy to help happy to help yeah and that reframe too is like and also i don't like i said i don't say adults because 14 year olds can have grown up bodies but we don't want 14 year olds having sex right but if you say it's for when you're later, I say later in life too sometimes, but this a distinction between like, I love that you just said, like, it's not for kids, it's for later. It makes it easier to talk about, I think, because it's compartmentalized yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So back to perfect world, Amy's perfect world. So lots of conversations. So they know about sex and sexuality. They know people do it for funsies. Then you can say, and just FYI. Uh, people, there are videos of people, naked people, people having sex, doing sexual things online that you can see, and it's not safe for kids because it's grown up stuff. It's for later in life. Like these people, this is, the sex is not for kids. And then talk about how it can be confusing, right? It can be upsetting and that they need to tell you if they see it won't be in trouble. I cannot stress enough that won't be in trouble thing. So you have this little conversation. You do need to say, like, you ever seen it? Have you ever seen anything like this? So look at me. Oh, you ever seen anything like this? You know, my usual advice. <laughs> like acting like you don't. <laughs> like, what kind of ice cream do you like? Um, have you ever seen anything like this? You won't be in trouble. You can tell me. Anybody's shown you, right? So you need to find out if they've seen it, if they've and they'll probably say no, because they know, like, maybe the person, if they, someone showed it to them, they said you can get in a lot of trouble. Like, there might, you don't know what happened in that scenario. Um, but just establishing, like, you can talk to me about this. So then you need to have regular check-ins about it. Like, what are kids talking about? Like, there's an epidemic right now of kids moaning and making moaning noises in elementary school. And it is oh. sexual moaning. Oh, you sh- wow. You might, ask your, you might ask your 11-year-old, like, have you heard people doing this? And it is an epidemic. Um, It is creepy. And it's a trickle down from porn. That's weird. It's very weird. And adults don't know what to do with it. So, sorry, side note. We can talk about that in a minute. But So then as our kids are getting older, you're talking a lot about it. You can talk about the industry. You can talk about how racist and sexist it is. You can talk about how it starts in the middle. It's not real sex. You can say that to a seven-year-old. You can say, like, this is not real sex. These people are actors. These people are actors. And then, of course, they're going to be like, well, why is it made and why do people want to look at it? And you can talk mm-hmm. about, well, it gives them sexual feelings and people like to have sexual feelings. And so if your kid's 10, 9, 10, 11, you can say and people will masturbate to it. Um, and sometimes people get ideas for having sex from it, but they're not where it's just not typical kind of ideas. So just really being kind of painting a picture of it. Now, this is not one conversation with a seven-year-old, right? So then- mm-hmm. As they get into middle school, um, having conversations more about what's the plan if somebody shows you, which is, mm. hey, dude, and they show them on the phone. Yeah. Here you go. My, one of my really good friends, she, her girls are four years apart. So um, first uh, week of middle school, her daughter, Arden, on the bus. Uh, how was your day? Last kid showed me porn on his phone. Four years later, first week of middle school. Alex, how was your day? Kids show me porn on their phone. So, yeah, super common. And those girls already knew what was what. They already knew what to say, how to manage it. So, um, so having, so by the time, like by eight, nine, ten, ten, nine, nine, ten, eleven, they should have a strategy for a refuse. I call it a refusal strategy. And it's refusal on two parts. So with young kids, it's 
stop watching, tell me. If anyone shows you, let me know. We'll make sure everybody's okay. So that's sort of more of a refusal strategy with younger kids. Um, with older kids, when they're having this incident where someone sends them a link or on the bus and they're like, hey, look at this. Um, my favorite comeback is is like, it's usually a guy that's doing this. It's like, dude, I think uh, looking at porn is a solo activity. What the heck is wrong with you? So a little shamey thing in there is totally fine. Um, another comeback like kind that. of thing for younger kids would be to say, if my mom had any idea that I saw this or looked at this and she has got crazy radar, she can take one look at me and know that something's gone, like I've done something. So no thanks. I can't. And walk away. Mm -hmm. um, so throw you under the bus. Um, yeah. You know, she's a lunatic. She would spank me. Just kidding. So anything to throw them, throw you <laughs> under the bus. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely by the time they're in middle and high school, you know the rule. Like all bets are off. You talk about everything. So talk openly about it. Say, you know, people get ideas about porn. Like, I'm sorry. Like in your beginning sex life, it's not going to be two men and a goat, right? That's not happening. Um, like this is just not real. So you can talk more explicitly about what sex should look like um, and consent and that kind of thing. It's, you know, I hate it. I hate it. But it leads to these really good conversations about healthy sexuality and values and bodies, right? So imagine if you're a, you know, you're a 14 year old person and your body's behind developmentally, like you've got, you know, supposedly going to have boobs and stuff. And you're smaller, not behind developmentally, you just whatever, a um, couple years behind your peers. And then you see porn and you're like, well, why? I don't have any boobs. Or you have little boobs, right? Um, so they're, And you're like, oh, my God, I should look like that. Like it's mm. this awful standard of beauty. It's anyway. Do you want me to talk about pubic hair? So in porn, nobody has pubic hair. I know it's so weird. I don't like that. Why must women look like they're prepubescent? So that becomes the standard. Uh, so I believe, and maybe there's studies to show this, that remember when we used to have pubic hair back in the 90s? Yeah. Right? Right? Remember there yeah. was before people were shaving up, like women yeah. were shaving off all their business and yeah. um, men were removing their chest and back hair. Um, so remember that? People had yes. pubic hair, right? In yeah. the past, like you'd clean up your bikini line and that was all. So my belief is that this has been a trickle down from pornography mm. into our culture, that that's the standard of hoo-ha beauty. There we go, right? Like, hairlessness is better. Like, right? And so yeah. you and I clearly are on the same page about this. But that's changing. You know, that's interesting. Like, my daughters don't, none of their, them and none of their friends shave their legs or their armpits. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. I don't care what they want to do either way. Yeah. But... Like, I remember shaving my legs at 11, and they're 13 and 16. And my 16-year-old tried it. She told me she tried it the other day, and she was like, oh, it came back all itchy. I'm just, ugh. So it's starting to change, and you'll notice now that when you watch uh, shirtless people, men, they have hair again. <laughs> it's coming back. It's coming back. So here we are. You should be hairless. That's the cultural message. And you're in puberty, and you're getting hair down there. And then our culture, like, and it's teenagery more like, hey, what are you doing? You should be shaving your business up to nothing. Um, it's not healthy. The pubic hair is there for a reason. It keeps mm -hmm. us clean down there. It catches stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, and it's, you know, it's really sort of on the female body. It's like a target. And also, like, if you shave, I mean, wouldn't you get, like, I mean, at least on the bikini line for me, I get, like, bumps 
sometimes yeah. and it would be itchy when it comes back and you yeah and the whole thing like oh, oh yeah God, my lord like the whole idea of it makes me feel so like ill to my stomach so here's the other thing about that like a vulva without hair is a child's vulva yeah who doesn't have pubic hair children so mm-hmm. this is just amy's opinion so if you're an adult person and you have been shaving off your pubic hair um that's your adult choice to do that but i just want to note that that just grosses me out i mean i did it one time and carrie's like we're never doing this again um it was he was just like eh, eh. so that for me is like okay why would you who would be attracted to that and i know it's not exactly the same but my final thing about the pubic hair is is if you are shaving your pubic hair stop your daughter your kids if you're naked in front of your kids they need to see what's natural normal typical healthy because as they get their own pubic hair if you've been shaving yours off that sends a message that there's something wrong with it so please let some grow back so they can see that. Because imagine if when you were growing up, your standard of nudity of a woman's body was your mom's and there was no pubic hair. I'm talking about the cooch. I'm talking about the cooch. The rest of it, I don't care. Um, imagine that. How would you feel? Especially if you were hairy, right? It would be hard, I think. It would be hard, I think. Anyway, that's my pubic hair rant. Well, I yeah. want to talk about responsibilities, like how we, what are the things we, you know, we, t- you mentioned monitoring and controls. So when, where, any recommendations, like yeah. what should we do with this? And you said most friends don't have it. And well, we didn't have it until our sad incident. Um, what should all par- parents have generally as basic controls? And we should also think about kids' phones too. So for the listener, you may know that I was all, I didn't know what to do about my then 12-year-old getting what to do about getting her phone because we got the third, the older sister phone at 13. So we did end up getting her phone at 13, but we got her a Bark phone. Yes. They are not sponsoring this podcast at all. Although I would be psyched if they did. I'd please Bark sponsor the podcast because your product is amazing. And anyway, it turns like an Android phone into like a talk to talk and text phone if you want with like really, really strong, awesome parental controls. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's talk about parental controls. What should we be doing to be responsible parents at what ages? Okay. So first of all, you just need to understand that they're going to see it. I can't say that enough. And it's other stuff too, right? You can search how to shoot up fentanyl, right? Suicide. Awful things. Not just the porns. See people cutting on TikTok. All kinds of like crazy stuff. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Of all the social media things that I would never I, I at this point I, I've learned enough I would not let my kids do TikTok is the one I would say is the most mind scrambling as far as like attention destroying anyway so there yeah. there's my two cents on that one dear listener. yeah so first of all it's the sex talk is the one thing and the monitoring and filtering is the other thing to, and the porn talk so sex talk porn talk monitoring and filtering this is your package of fun with the monitoring and filtering if you ever hand your child any device in any way, shape, or form, uh, if you have littles that are watching an iPad, you need to make sure that all the parental controls are in place, that you supervise it, that they can only like watch one thing, no kids YouTube. It's not safe. I had a mom, she's, she's like, Amy, I just wanted to chat. She needed to talk to me. We had a little quickie because her five-year-old was really into birth and pregnancy. And so they had still photographs of pregnant people and birth, and they might have even watched some videos of birth, which is fine. Um, They were on vacation, and so they were all taking a rest. She left the kid with the laptop, and she, or not the laptop, with the iPad, and, you know, like half an hour later, she popped back in the bedroom where he was alone with the device, and he goes like this and pulls it right up to his chest, and she's like, great, what's going on? So he'd found his way to porn, Mm -hmm. right? He'd found Mm -hmm. his way to porn. So... If you give your child a device of any kind, it has to have monitoring and filtering installed. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how careful you are. I don't care because a kid could come over and they could be on the iPad and they could go down a rabbit hole. So you can't trust your children. You can't trust other children. So you have to put the parameters in place. So that's the general rule for every single device. So every single device your child can access the internet on, it needs to have parental controls and monitoring. And um, so let me talk about the monitoring and the, and the if they call filtering or parental controls. So it's the same thing. So guess what product I recommend? Bark. Oh, so the way Bark works or any, there's a, a circle, custodio, there are other ones and they work in different ways. Um, I cannot tell you how they, how you set them up because my child's 22 and that ship has sailed. Um <laughs> So, uh, but I do know that there's an app yeah. so you can control from yeah. the app, which is awesome. So let me talk about the difference between monitoring and filtering. So monitoring is watching. So you're mm-hmm. watching where they're going. You need to watch where they're going from birth until you decide. Okay. Mm-hmm. You decide. I can't okay. tell you the answer to that. Um, end of high school, if your child, and you have to figure that out. Um, filtering is blocking search terms. So um, the analogy I like to use is being in the car. So monitoring is equivalent to seatbelt. 
would you ever get in the car without a seatbelt? No. No. So monitoring is a seatbelt. And then car seats are the filtering. So when they're baby babies, they're in a bucket reverse, right? Mm. So we got more bigger seats. So the bucket, there's, there's, you're not going anywhere. The bigger seat turned around, you're going to go a little place, a little bit, the filtering. So it's going to get a little bit, a little looser. Then you get a uh, turn around the car seat, a little, little more, like less filtering. Booster, a little more access. Then no booster, still got your seatbelt on, still got your seatbelt on. So no booster and you're just in the seat. And then eventually their kid's in the front seat and eventually they're driving. So when they get to be in the seat with no no booster, probably like 10, 11, right? I can't remember. Mm. Depends on the size of your kid and that kind of stuff. So long about middle school, so long about sixth grade, you can take all the filtering off. You have the seat belt because you're not going to stop monitoring and you're watching. And so the way the products work is that you get pings when they go to suspected sites. So in my family... We did use a product called Custodio, and uh, we were just monitoring Milo, and he was having an adolescent fit about how, re- how everything was horrible. And then he said to me, and I hate Custodio. You would have been proud of me because I was fully like, oh, look at him having an adolescent fit. And I said, yeah, why? And he said, I, because I can only go to like five or six websites because I know you're watching. And I said, <laughs> I was like, oh, that must yes. be tough. And I said, that must be really tough. And he's like, and he went storming off. So I went running downstairs because Carrie was down here. And, and I was like, Gary, Custodio is working. That's what you want, right? Yeah. Anywhere he wanted. But he was flexing that muscle of self-control. So in that space where they're, you know, in the front seat with their with their seatbelt on, um, you get a ping and you talk about it. I also got super excited because I got a notification that he'd been someplace naughty. And I was all excited. And then I went and looked at it. And it was just one of those rando things that can happen. And I was like, damn it. So he comes home from school. And I'm like, Milo, I got a ping from Custodio that you went somewhere. And he's like, what? I've been nowhere. And I'm like, I know. I'm just messing with you. I know. Welcome to evil parenting. So I guess, you know, the subtotal of this conversation is that you have to talk about sex. You have to talk about porn. And it is required that you use monitoring and filtering. This is not optional. And if you think my child would never think again. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. In full transparency, last time, like, Sora and I went into three or four weeks of, like, okay, babe, we're going to be talking about a lot of things about sex. And she was like, okay, whatever. But then she asked me questions. Yeah. And, yeah, like, it, it worked out really well. And, and and by the time we were, like, a couple conversations into that, you know, I was like, this is what blowdubs are. And I was fine. And she was fine. We got home. So I was like, <laughs> we all survived. But I love this. Um, have the talks. Know your kids are going to assume they are seeing the thing. So talk about what it is um, and use monitoring and controls. And yeah. One more thing. Yes. That's protecting your kid at your house. What do you do when they go to somebody else's house? Ooh, I'm just going to give you a couple tips for that. So first of all, okay. you need to walk your talk. Right. So get bark, custodio circle, get something, have the conversations. And then when your child goes to somebody else's house, you need to say to them, what not are you? What monitoring and filtering um, products are product are you using? And you want them to say clearly, we have all the parental controls that are internal to the devices installed. 
We use Bark. We use Custodio. We use Circle. You want a clear answer. And if they're like, oh, you know, we only let them go to kids YouTube and blah, 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 then that's a no, 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 no online, no devices while that bio child is at that house. Okay. And yeah, so so you can just, and you're being an example, right? So you can tell your friend group, hey, listen to this. Amy was Looney Tooney and great, um, but we need, we're doing this now. We're mm-hmm. talking about porn. We're doing this now. And you're going to be ahead of your pack. And so it is an uncomfortable place to be when you have, um, especially with sexuality education, when you're ahead of everybody. But if you think about it this way, like I, I'm like into this thing called parent-led sex ed. You're going to be leading the pack. You're going to be t- teaching your friends how to do this and do it well. Um, so do not assume your friend, your people, the people are doing what I'm telling you to do. Assume there's no monitoring. Assume there's no filtering. And then, you know, your kid may come home and say, they showed me porn. I'm freaking. Then you have to call the parent and said, and tell them your kid, this happened. Mm-hmm. And I would, oh, that I would want to know if yeah. this happened, right? Yeah. Um, and you need to be kind. And they may say, no way, your kid showed my kid and you're just going to have to roll with it. But yeah, those things are super important on the other end, like protect your family and then you got to help your kid out in the world and trust your gut. Like if you get a kind of a wishy-washy answer, then say, you know what, we're weird about this, but I'm just going to ask the kids or not online. Yeah. Yeah. That's a totally reasonable request. So interesting because this is so much like these things are like the most important things like this. And it's so much like the gun safety conversation. Like, do you have a firearm in your car or your house? I learned this from Dr. Joanna Thomas. And how are you keeping it safe? Right. Like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, we don't want to bring mental, emotional, visual firearms to our children's brains before they're ready. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Okay. Amy, this was way less painful. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I just love talking to you. Half the time, sometimes you're like, oh my God, I'm having big eyes and you're trying not to have big eyes. <laughs> but and that's what I love about you is that you're so real and you talk about your own story, right? And I think it's just so relatable. And I just so appreciate you trusting me with your people. Really means a ton to me. Well, I thank you. I think you do great work. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being the person who is totally upfront and open about all these things and encouraging us to do that, to do that brave, hard things. And, and we can do it. We can we can do those hard things. And uh, and it's super important. And I think you you let us know that. And I I really, really appreciate it. Thank you again. Amy has amazing things. Love her sex talks for tweens and teens book. And there are other great things she's offering. Amy, where can they find out about you and what you're doing? So if you're a podcast listener, I also have a podcast called Just Say This. I, it's a advice column style. So people call in and ask me questions. I am uh, unfiltered. We'll just put it that way. Uh, and then birdsandbeesandkids.com is my website uh, with really tons and tons of stuff there. So podcast website, probably the easiest places to start. And, you know, socials and stuff are in the show notes. Thank you so, again, so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm sure I will talk to you again sometime. Thank you so much for all of the ratings and reviews you leave. I want to give a shout out to Wes18267, who gave a five-star review and called it My Go-To. This podcast always helps me on a hard day. Thank you, 
Apple for all your episodes. Thank you, Wes. I really, really appreciate your review. I hope this episode is helpful. I hope it's given you some tools in your toolbox. If so, let me know. Let me know through the review. Let me know by tagging me on Instagram at mindfulmamamentor. And I would love to know if it has helped you. And then otherwise, I'm just wishing you a lovely week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad to spend this time with you. And I'm glad you're here. Glad you're listening all the way through to this episode. Good for you. Rock on double high fives for me because it's not easy to like psych myself up to listen to something that is really, really helpful sometimes, you know? I think in a world where we're all just like distracted and entertained so much of the time, like, yeah, we have to like be celebrate the times when we're stepping up to do the things that might be a little uncomfortable, but I hope it wasn't too uncomfortable for you. Anyway, I'm wishing you a great week. I can't wait to connect with you again. I hope you're enjoying. If you've gotten your copy of Raising Good Humans Every Day, I hope you're enjoying it. And I will come back and talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for being here. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside mindfulparentingcourse.com No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
this is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.